0: Hello readers, my name is Jason Jeffries, and I am your host for Bookin' brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is New York Times best-selling author Shannon Messenger, the author of the best-selling Skyfall Trilogy and the Keeper of the Lost Cities series. Her new book is Legacy, book eight in the Keeper of the Lost Cities saga, which is published by our friends at Aladdin. Shannon welcome to the program
1: thank you so much for having me
0: yeah it's an honor to have you here now first I want to ask you about film school you went to USC's school for cinematic arts where you say that you learned that you like watching movies more than you like making them Um, were you studying screenwriting or something else
1: um, a little of both. I mean, I went there thinking I would be studying screenwriting. Um, but what I didn't realize, because I transferred in from community college. I started college when I was 16, and my parents were like, you're not moving away at 16. So I started at community college, and community college, you could just take whatever classes you wanted. Um, and then when I transferred in at the four-year level, I had just sort of, like, I looked at USC's course catalog, but I hadn't really realized that it, there would be, like, classes that I was required to take each semester and so I got my schedule the first um, day at orientation and it had like directing 101, cinematography 101, sound design 101 and I'm just like I've never used a video camera. I am in so much trouble right now because my whole portfolio had been a written portfolio and I had just figured I'd be picking all screenwriting classes. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit like being thrown into the deep end um, because I did study screenwriting and all aspects of filmmaking um, most of which I discovered are just not really the way that my brain worked so it was a lot of like okay I'm gonna squeak through because I'm on an academic scholarship and I've got to keep my grades up but this is not the way that my brain works
0: right and um, what was it like jumping from the world of cinema to the world of prose where you've created these epic series for young readers
1: It was very freeing. Um, USC loves to really try to model itself on Hollywood because the goal is to have it be that you transition from your classes there to a job in Hollywood and so they you know they made us get our projects greenlit and they would give us lots of notes and that's the thing Hollywood is very collaborative you know a movie is something that has a lot of cooks in the kitchen and that was kind of what I discovered is I am a control freak Mm. (laughs) and I wanted to be able to be in charge of a project and especially when it comes to screenplays because screenplays aren't something that's ever really meant to be read by the public it's something that is designed for other creators to read and see what they would do with it. Um, so, you know, your, your ideal screenplay is something that when the director is reading it, he's visualizing what his take on the movie would be. And an actor is reading it, visualizing what their take on the character would be. And I was like, no, but I want to tell you all of that stuff. Like, I want to call that out. So um, once I switched over to prose writing for books, it was like, finally, I can be in control of everything. Mwah.
0: Nice. Thank you so much, Shannon. Um, I want to talk to you about your inspiration for Keeper of the Lost Cities Traditionally, fantasy series sort of allude to their inspirations, Lord of the Rings, Beowulf, um, Dragonlance, The Song of Ice and Fire, whatever those influences might be. But you choose to mention some of your influences directly in the novels of this series. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien is a character that comes up more than once, and Hogwarts and The Order of the Phoenix are spoken of by the series' protagonist, Sophie Foster. Can you tell us a little bit about your influences and what was behind your decision to have Sophie mention them outright?
1: Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to write about elves, I was doing a lot of different research on fantasy creatures, and elves stuck out to me because the lore is so varied. You know, they're everything from the Keebler elves to the little elves that help the old cobbler make shoes to Legolas, you know, or to Santa's helpers. I mean, it's such a varied amount of lore and I found that fascinating and I just kept thinking why is that because you didn't see that as much with other creatures. Other creatures it was more standardized. There'd be slight variations but they were usually portrayed a certain way and so I just I don't know where it came from but I got the idea well what if the reason for that is that the elves were the ones manipulating the stories that they want. I mean it seemed like a logical theory. If you you don't want someone to believe that you exist create Eight million different contrasting, ridiculous stories about yourself and put them out there. And nobody will know what to believe and it'll all just sound even more ridiculous. And, it would help them stay hidden. And so that was kind of my take on the elves. And so then I wanted to kind of work that element into the book in little ways. And I, I I loved the idea of these really ancient elves just kind of messing with humans and like sneaking in little stories and then getting them to write those books and stuff because of things they said, and just being like, ha ha ha, we, we fooled them again, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And my next question for you is about Sophie's name, Sophie Foster. Why did you choose the name Foster for Sophie?
1: You know... I did love the sound of it, but she is sort of a foster child, and I am a nerd. I like my names to have meanings. So even Sophie's first name, I picked it because it means wisdom. And I felt like that's what she brings to the world, because she has this alternate perspective that nobody in the elven world has ever had, because she grew up with humans. Um, And so she is kind of a foster child, so to speak. And so I kind of wanted it to be something that would always stand out for her. I wanted her last name to be very human sounding um and it just it felt right as soon as I put those two names together. It just seemed like the subtle meaning of it, the layers of it and just the fact that it felt so very human among people with names like Fitzvacker and things like that, then to have just such a Sophie Foster just felt right to me.
0: Thank you so much, Shannon. And um of course This series, Keeper of the Lost Cities, opens on Sophie as she is living in Southern California with fires all around her uh, in the home of what she assumes to be her natural family. Uh, These people who Sophie assumed to be her parents and the girl Amy, who she assumed to be her sister, continue to come up over and over again. And Sophie feels a very strong pull towards them, yet much of this new novel, Legacy, uh, book eight in this series, is involved with Sophie's desire to identify her birth parents. Can you talk about the duality of desire and bond involved with those who she thought were her parents and those parents that she wishes to find?
1: Well, I've always seen Sophie as a girl caught between two worlds. Um, which is one of the things that has always fascinated me about her character. You know, she's someone who grew up with humans feeling very out of place. And then she found out that she belonged in the Lost Cities. And it was sort of like, oh, I'm finally going to find the place where I'm normal and fit in perfectly. And then realized, no, (laughs) I'm actually quite different here, too. And so her journey is about accepting herself. And some of that also comes down to wondering, you know, who were the people that technically made her so to speak and you know it's just an exploration because in some ways she's very lucky she got to have two wonderful sets of parents they just happened to not be her biological parents she had human parents who did the best they could with her and and loved her deeply and now she's living with this adoptive family that also does the best they can with her and loves her completely and so on the one hand she's sort of like she feels a little bit strange searching for yet another sense of family because it's like she's already got two sets which is more than what most people get and she's also fairly convinced that the third set the ones that actually gave her the genes are probably not the nice ones because they kind of disappeared from her life and didn't and signed her up for this project that's you know kind of an experiment basically and so she's she's got all kinds of mixed feelings but It's not just curiosity that's driving her, as you know, and I'll try to keep it without spoilers, but, you know, there's she's got reasons for why she's suddenly needing to look into this thing that she's always been a little bit unsure if she wants that question answered. But now she kind of needs that question answered.
0: Thank you, Shannon. This is a fascinating approach and Sophie is a fascinating protagonist. Listeners, you're welcome. We are going to take a break for a word from our sponsors and then I will be right back with Shannon Messenger. The Bookin' Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin' can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter BOOKIN, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Shannon Messenger, author of Keeper of the Lost Cities, the most recent entry of which is Legacy, book number eight, published by our friends at Aladdin. Shannon Sophie Foster, after learning that she is not the child of the man and woman who she thought were her parents, discovers that she is an elf. And you talked about this a little bit earlier. You write of elves in this book, as well as trolls and warlocks and also magical beasts. What made you want to go so deep into the world building here with the inclusion of all these races and beasts and mythologies
1: it was kind of twofold i mean what i really was doing when i first started building the world was i wanted to see what would happen if i told a fantasy story without technically using magic it's sort of a science as magic approach here and so i just kind of wanted to see all of those creatures in a different light like how could i stay true to their lore um, that exists about them, but not have it be that it's magic per se that makes them that way. But also, I, just as I dug more deep into it, I just kind of loved the idea of just all of these creatures existing and humans not knowing anything about any of them really and it just being you know not just one shadow world but multiple shadow worlds hidden on our planet and each one very very different and unique and important in their own way and that some would be more appealing instantly and some it would take you a little bit of time to sort of try to understand these creatures and that sort of thing. Um, That just all felt very fascinating to me. I I just wasn't totally sure if I would really get to dive into that because, you know, originally we only had a three-book deal for the series and so it was kind of like, I don't know if I have time to dive into the gnomish world and the dwarven world and the goblin world and all of these things. And so it was only once the series started to gain a little bit of momentum and I was given book deals for more books in the series. And I was like, cool, now I can dive in and we can really start exploring this gigantic world that I've created. Yeah.
0: Thanks. And congratulations uh, retrospectively on that. Um, you're welcome. Did you, or do you play Dungeons and Dragons? (laughs)
1: I don't actually, which is going to horrify my editor to admit because my editor is a hardcore Dungeons and Dragons person. It's one of those things that I have always wanted to play, but I've just never had a circle of friends that plays it. And it's not really a game that you can play by yourself. You need a dungeon master and you need all that. So I'm open if there's anybody out there who wants to let me join their Dungeons and Dragons. Is it a team? I don't even know, but I would love to one of these days.
0: I'm sure someone will take you up on that. Thank (laughs) you, Shannon. Um, I'm hoping you can talk to us about Sophie Foster's school, Foxfire. Um, I hope you'll forgive me for comparing Foxfire to Hogwarts. I think Sophie Foster does this herself at some point. Um, And I make the comparison in the most magical way. Can you tell us about Foxfire and specifically about the special talents that the school was looking to identify in its students?
1: No, I see that as a compliment. And I, I, it was also inevitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're writing a fantasy series in this age range and you have any sort of school at all, even though it's not like J.K. Rowling invented school, it's mm-hmm. still obviously going to get compared to Hogwarts. So for me, what I was really trying to do is I was trying to draw both upon my own experiences in school a little bit and also I was trying to create what I thought might be the ideal school. And so for me, I realized growing up that one of the big challenges, because I grew up in an area that was growing faster than the schools could keep up with, so classroom size was a huge, huge issue for us. Um, I always had 40, 50 kids in my classes, if not more. And, you know, one teacher for all those students is quite a challenge. And so when I was trying to imagine this elven world that is so focused on knowledge and enlightenment and things of that sort. I just kept thinking, okay, so this, I got to get the school right. Like that will be one of the things that's just super important to them. And so instantly I thought, okay, what would be the ideal situation? It would be kind of like a mentorship one to one. And so, I mean, it, it hurt my brain trying to figure out, you know, how that would really work in a school environment. But that was sort of my big thing was, okay, I'm going to build this school around mentorships, basically, and then go from there. And I also felt like the elven world would probably put a strong influence on family since travel was so easy for them. So, you know, ha- you could have your kid go to a school on the other side of the world and they could still come home at night. And mm-hmm. so they wouldn't do a boarding school. They would want their kid to be able to come Home. and so that really changed the shape of the school too and it wasn't me trying to differentiate myself from Hogwarts but it was just like I just felt like because of those differences in my world that the school would be different mm-hmm. um, and then I just sort of realized okay but I, I want them to have a sports class and sports you can't play by yourself so I was mm-hmm. like okay so they're gonna have to have certain moments where they do have the whole school together and so it took me a long time to figure out how to how to build that school and I imagine the building itself must be just gigantic to have enough classrooms to be able to do one-to-one student mentor teaching on that scale, but I mean, they're elves. They got
0: this. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much. And hearkening back to my Dungeons and Dragons question, these different roles, talents, specialties remind me of some of the older Final Fantasy games where every member of your party had a specific specialty. Did you ever play those?
1: I didn't. I didn't have video games growing Uh, up, really. I mean, my family grew up kind of on the struggling side of things and video games were really expensive Mm -hmm. so I didn't have those Um, for me my influence on that was X-Men especially (laughs) that X-Men cartoon Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that each of the mutants was different Mm -hmm. and my friends and I we would get into these big arguments over like which one we liked better and some of us we'd pick based on like their outfit and the way they looked but most of the time it came down to their power and Mm -hmm. it was like that's the power I want that's the one that I would do and it was so fun because it didn't have to be that we all agreed and each one was necessary and had their own value in the story. And so I wanted something like that. I wanted it to be I've always called the series um Lord of the Rings meets X-Men. Nice. And so I really wanted mm-hmm. it to be that there would be all of these characters and they would all have different abilities mm-hmm. and that, you know, my readers could decide. I mean, obviously it's Sophie's story, so I'm hoping they'll like her, but I'm also totally good with it if their real favorite character is actually one of the other side characters. And I try to have it be that it's not always Sophie that saves the day mm. because I feel like that could get a little boring and so I have it be that sometimes she's there doing something to help the moment but that it's really another character that is the one that is the hero in that moment and it has to be because Sophie can't have every single power and so there's a lot of things she can't do that she needs to rely on her friends for
0: mm. who's your favorite X-Men
1: <laughs> I, I love Wolverine nice. Nice. <laughs> and not just because Hugh Jackman plays him in the movies sure but it helps (laughs) not gonna lie
0: i understand um thank you so much i'm partially cable personally though the
1: (laughs) that is another good one yeah
0: yeah cable is is a great character though the new x-men reboot um in the book has me partial to Mora mctaggart Ah. Um, if anyone hasn't read that yet you should um so i want to ask you about the concept of being unmatchable something that sophie is very concerned with throughout this latest volume of the series can you tell us a little bit about that
1: that was something i didn't really fully plan when i mm-hmm. when i built the world of the lost cities um one thing that i had in my mind cuz i had already come up with sophie and i had already known that there had to be a reason why she was hidden away from this world and when I was first building the world I thought I was kind of building a utopia I thought I was building this kind of ideal gorgeous perfect place that of course she'd want to go live there and on many levels that is how the lost cities are but then I kept thinking okay but there has to be something wrong with it because otherwise why was she hidden away I don't unless the people who made her are just awful people and I really didn't think that that was the story that I was dancing around and so so eventually what I was doing was I just sort of followed the logic of things. I just, As I was building the world, I just kept saying, okay, so if it's a global world, then they need some sort of transport, then I, okay, so if they light leap, then that means probably light is going to play a role in their architecture. And, and so I was just sort of following things down and I, I realized that the elven world would have a class system because i realized that okay with everybody not having the same abilities obviously there's going to be some people that they feel have more valuable abilities than others and then i realized also that there probably are going to be some that don't get abilities and so it has a class system it's not based on race it's not based on finances it's based on ability and since your ability comes from your genetics and the elves they i could see that they would have sort of this almost like a god complex a little bit because they they see themselves as sort of ruling the world a little bit and so i thought they're going to try to control this they're going to try to make sure that the most popular talents are mixing with the other talents to try to get the best abilities that they possibly can they're going to try to make sure that the people who don't get abilities are not keeping their genes in the pool that way you know they're going to try to control this it's not fair it's not ideal and that's when I realized like ah I bet this is one of the things that is causing the problems that Sophie has been created for I mean it's that's not the only problem that she was created for but it is one of the ones and it's it's the backstory for one of the big villains in the series that you know they were wronged because of this matchmaking system and we also see it affecting dex and his family and so i've always tried to make it very clear that this is not necessarily a good system but it is part of the elven world and i left it there because it felt true to who the elves were they're not perfect either they've made mistakes and that's why Sophie exists you know she's not it's not a situation where there's just a villain here that has risen up because they want power what we have are two separate rebellions that are both existing because The world has fundamental problems that the leaders of it have been ignoring for way too long, and it's caused a lot of injustices, it's caused a lot of problems, and it just happens to be that these two rebellions, some have a much more peaceful solution, and some have a much more violent solution, but both of them are reacting to the same fundamental flaws in the world. And so I always knew that that was going to be something that was going to come into play into the story, because it's one of the reasons that... Sophie was created
0: Mm -hmm. thank you it's a very effective part of the story no young person wants to live their lives thinking that there's no one out there for them in the world Um, finally Shannon I have to ask and uh, listeners this is a bit of a spoiler alert and I know we have one person in the room with us here right now who hasn't read the book Um, I'm not giving out any details but pause if you must I'll give you one second to grab your device and push pause Um, Shannon what is up with the cliffhangers
1: (laughs) that's not really that big of a surprise anymore. I mean, at least if you've made it through the first seven books, you should not be shocked Mm. that I'm giving you cliffhangers. And I swear it's not just because I like to torture my readers. That's just kind of the fun bonus. Mm -hmm. Really what it is is just this story is not an episodic story. It's just not. It's really just one long story that probably just needs to be one 7,000 page book. But Mm -hmm. trying to publish that would have been impossible, even though I kind of want it to exist. You'd need like a forklift Mm -hmm. (laughs) to pick it up. Um, So it's just kind of like I have to break the book the story into pieces Mm -hmm. and so that means there's going to be cliffhangers and what i try to have them be is less of a cliffhanger and more of what i consider a game changer i feel like i wait for a moment when the story's sort of been curving one way for the entire book sort of dealing with the problem that i raised at the end of the previous book and right around the time that we've gotten a little bit of resolution on that and now something big has happened that's going to curve the story in a completely different direction and go another 800 pages or whatever that's where i stop and i think of it less of an end as just as a pause like mm-hmm. we're just hitting pause on the story because we have to and then i promise that whenever we get to the last book it's not going to end on a cliffhanger that would be that i'd have to flee to mexico and change my name and readers would come after me and rightfully so like mm-hmm. i obviously owe you guys resolution it's just that this story isn't going to have it until we really are at the end. Mm. And in the meantime you're just gonna have to deal with my little game changer endings sorry not sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you and of course the spoiler here being that this is not the last book of the series and um you know a 7,000 page book would require a feat in book binding it really uh, would I kind of want to find out how it could exist you (laughs) know one of those
1: books that it takes like four people to carry one of the corners each and haul it in be kind of fun yeah Simon and Schuster is like no Shannon
0: no well thank you and listeners I have to tell you that this series is fantastic. It is so much fun. Uh, My nephew, who is between the 7th and 8th grade, um, as he started, read this first and devoured it, I should say, and then my aunt read the whole series in a couple of weeks, and then I dove in, and I think this really speaks to the magic of the world that you've created and the appeal that it holds to people of all ages. Uh, I've ordered tons and tons of these to sell over the holidays. I hope um, that you will sign them for us so we can sell them in the store at Quail Ridge Books and online at www.quailridgebooks.com. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you.
0: Once again, I would like to thank Shannon Messenger for joining me. Signed copies of several of the Keeper of the Lost Cities books can be purchased in-store at Quillridge Books and online at www.quillridgebooks.com while supplies last. Our sponsor is Libro.fm Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code Bookin. that's B-O-O, k-i-n in the promo code space to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one and support your favorite local independent bookstore my name is jason jeffries and this has been Booking.